Praise the Lord. Good morning. You would turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. It says, I consider that our present sufferings, say that with me, present suffering, amen, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by their own choice, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our body bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And Lord, I pray that you speak through me, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would um, remove every part of me, Lord God, and that you would speak clearly through me, Lord God, that you would hide me behind your cross, Lord, and Holy Spirit, that you would go before me, you'd be to my left and my right, and you would be even my rear guard, and you would allow this word to be delivered the way you want it delivered, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. The uh, title of my message is The Groaning of the Spirit. The groaning of the Spirit, okay? And there's two ways you can take that phrase. There is a capital S, and when you see a capital S with the word Spirit in the Bible, that means deity, that means Holy Spirit, right? But if it's a small s, it could just be our Spirit. And how many have ever had... Is this my head again? Or am I hearing music? Okay. Sometimes it's just my head, you know. Um, how many have ever had a groaning of your little s spirit? How many have ever heard that groaning? It's like you get up for work in the morning. Somebody says, uh, take the trash out. You hear that little groaning. How many know what I'm talking about? The groaning, right? And there's all kinds of groanings in life. How many have ever had somebody say, why are you groaning? 
And you're like, I did not know I was growing. I mean, no, we do it subconsciously. And the older you get, the louder the groan. In fact, every injury you've ever had in your life, um, re it manifests itself again as you get older. Like every sports injury, every accident, everything that you've ever done to your body. When you get older, you wake up in the morning and you take that first step out of bed and that knee, you feel a little pain and a little stiffness, your back, you, know, you slept. I mean, it's amazing. You can sit lay the wrong way with the hand in the wrong place and turn it the wrong way. When I was young, that never happened. But now it's like, oh man, I got to make sure everything is properly laid down in bed because if it's not, then I wake up with the groaning of the Spirit. Little S. And let me establish first that there are different kinds of groaning. Most of the groanings that we have are groanings that don't have hope attached to it. Like they're hopeless groanings. It's like I'm groaning, but I don't know that there's an expectation that something good is coming out of it. It's a hopeless groaning. And let me give you an example of a hopeless groaning and a hopeful groaning. You could be in the same hospital and you can hear down the hallway different kinds of sounds. You could be on the cancer unit, the children's floor of a cancer unit, and you can hear a child groaning. And you can just hear that awful groan. And you can know that, hey, you know what, that's not hopeful. In fact, it makes your heart sink when you hear it and you begin to think, oh man, that still makes me so terrible. That little child is suffering, groaning. And how many know you can be on the other floor and you can hear that mom, ah, ah, get it out of me. I'm not, I'm not bringing back post-traumatic stress or anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll make sure. But let me know that's a hopeful one. In fact, there are usually two people there together that are focusing very carefully on the pain, and they've been trained to focus on the pain. Focus. Breathe. Focus. Breathe. And all of their attention, their told and their training is Focus on the fruit of this pain. Like, you know, the hope that is around the corner. Endure the pain because of the hope that is around the corner. How many know that is a hopeful groan? It's like the promise of what you're going to get after the groaning far surpasses what's happening in that moment. And so Paul... Paul is trying to use that analogy to explain the old creation, the way we were before Christ, and the new creation where the groaning is just different. How many know the groaning can be different whether you're pre-Christ 
of post-Christ. The groaning of the Spirit is different between the two people. One is a groaning of hopelessness. One is a groaning of hope that far surpasses what I'm currently going through. And whichever one you are makes all the difference in the world. How many know that? It makes all the difference in the world, whichever one you are. The groaning of the little s spirit or the groaning of the big s Holy Spirit in me groaning with me. So he begins to talk about this groaning. And he says, and in fact, let me tell you, there's two well-regarded well laws in science called the two laws of thermodynamics. How many have ever heard of the two foundational, fundamental laws? In fact, let me read them. The first law of thermodynamics has to do with energy is the law of the conservation of energy. It teaches that although energy can be converted from one form to another, the total amount remains unchanged. That means energy cannot be created or destroyed. Thus, there can be no creation of material in the universe. You may have heard that before. In fact, the Bible will confirm this law that we discovered much later. When the law, when, when the Bible says in Genesis 2, 1, thus the heavens and the earth and the, all the host that is in them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had done. I mean, no, God created all that energy and everything was just done. In fact, our law, laws of science, the foundational first law says when he finished, there was no more created. <laughs> and we're saying the same thing. We're parroting Genesis when we say that no more energy will be created. It can only be transferred from one to another. In fact, that leads us to the second law of thermodynamics, and that is the law of entropy. And it says... Although the total amount of energy remains unchanged, there always becomes a tendency for it to become less available. The second law states that if any system is left to itself, it goes to randomness or disorder. The effect of this on the universe is that there will come a time when we will eventually run out of energy, hence the universe is deteriorating. Law is again parroting the Bible. The Bible says in Psalm 102, verse 25 and 26, it says, this is God speaking, of old, actually this is a psalmist, of old you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, all of them will grow old like a garment and like a cloak you will change them and they will be changed. You hear that? Long before we discovered the second law of thermodynamics and patted ourselves on the back and said, man, what intelligent little scientists we are. Long before that, the psalmist said that the world 
is deteriorating and says it will wear out like a garment and God will literally change it like a garment and, and, and replace it with a new one. That means everything's deteriorating. Everything's in a state of ruin. And what's really fascinating is the second law of thermodynamics doesn't appear to be in effect until after the fall of man. Have you ever thought about that? The second law of thermodynamics, meaning that everything is deteriorating, everything is in a state of ruin, everything is wearing out, energy is being lost, it's going to chaos, it's going to disorder, it is in a state of ruin. That didn't happen until the fall of man, the curse that came upon the earth after man sinned. In fact, it looks like that the earth was actually a self-renewing planet. How many know that? It was self-renewing. In fact, there was an unlimited amount of energy and that creative force that rested when he was done was still there renewing everything day by day. And then something happened when man sinned. In fact, Romans here says that, it, that not by its own choice, it was subjected to futility, which is a word that simply means it was in a state of ruin. And catastrophes, natural disasters, earthquakes, floods, famines were unknown before the fall. Predatory behavior in animals. How many know predatory behavior was unknown before the fall? In fact, you didn't walk around the garden and see an animal eating another one of God's creation. And uh, I don't know how, but somehow I, I get these videos all the time of animals attacking other animals. How many get those videos? It's like, you know, and you're like, wow, I just can't turn my eyes away. It's like I want to see all these showdowns between these fierce animals. And it's like, oh, wow, the great cat against the great gator. How many watch this? And how many know that, oh, see, some of you don't want to admit it now. You're in church and you think I'm going to call you out and you think my message is going that direction and so you don't want to even say it. But predatory behavior was unknown. Thorns, thistles, pests, diseases were unknown. I mean, no death was unknown. All of these things came at the moment that man sinned and all of nature was affected. How many know that's true? So what Paul is saying here is a point that we all have to really understand, and that is the thing that creation is groaning just like you and me are groaning, creation is groaning. The Bible says that all creation is groaning. All creation is saying, oh, oh. And, and, and you know, we see some of God's glory. We see some of God's glory still manifest in this world. In fact, the nature, the Bible says, is screaming God's glory. But how many know we see the sun, the moon, the stars, we see the the, the planets, we see space, we see the sky at night, we see places like the Grand Canyon and Niagara Falls and all these wonderful wonders of the world and the world is beautiful. But how many know the world is still groaning and it's only uh, 
Small snippets of God's glory is still left, but we have a world that is scarred. We have a world that is deteriorating. We have a world that is ruined. And we have a world that is slowly going to a state of destruction and ruin and chaos. And we only see snippets of the glory that it used to be. And Paul is saying it is a global suffering. A global suffering. And Paul is stating a theological fact that you better get in your head or you're going to be lost. And that is that everything that this world is scarred with that is bad, all of this groaning that is inflicted upon mankind and the world around us is because of one thing and one thing only, and that is sin. You say, well, man, there's a lot of other reasons, but it's a Christian. Or it's the unvaccinated. But hold on, don't go into politics. Well, maybe it's the vaccinated. Or maybe it's the Muslims or the Christians or the atheists or the or all these different things that we want to try to state as the problem, but the problem very clearly is sin. And we all still live in bodies of sin. So we're glorified. And all of creation is groaning. And do you understand that if you look around and you've got spiritual ears to hear, you're hearing the groaning of drug addiction. How many have ever heard the groaning of a drug addict? How many have ever heard the groaning of an overdose? How many have heard the groaning of divorce? How many have heard the groaning of broken relationships? Just last night, within a few miles from my house, there was a man that, I, as I understand, shot his wife. Is that true? Cop was shot in the head. The, the uh, man was shot in the stomach. It was a, evidently some form of domestic uh, disturbance. I don't know what it was, but how many know there's this groaning every day all around us in every neighborhood of addiction and brokenness and abuse? And How many know creation is groaning? Groaning. And you say, well, man, I'm a Christian. I'm immune to it. And here's the thing. There's not a moment in my life that I've been immune to suffering. Even as a Christian. You know, there, there I can remember as a child, you know, I can remember I, and I could go through all the scars and so so could you. We could all have one of those little, how many men have had those sessions like show your scars session? You know, like this was when I was this age and, you know, this was when my eye got cut and this was where, you know, and, 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 and the older you are, the better you were. You know, you were much more valiant by the time you tell the story and, you know, and the story is so much better. But how many know at every age, you know, as a child, you can remember things were good except then you get into your young teenage years and you're like, man, everything was almost perfect. And then, and then you get into your 20s and you say, man, my 20s would have been great except, you know, then you get into your 30s and you say, I finally arrived and accept 
And they say, I can't wait for my 40s. Then you get into your 40s and you're like, oh man, I knew I shouldn't have done that in my 30s and my 20s and my teens because now I'm groaning every time I wake up. And how many times have we gotten so close that, man, we've arrived? I finally have that place where I can stop and Right? Life's good. LG, right? Somebody made a killing off of friend. Life's good. I'm right where I want to be. Everything's perfect. And I remember one time I was driving around and, and I had a sense of that. I was riding driving around on my tractor on my, you know, acres of property and and that's how I many you know when you're on the tractor sometimes you feel serene and it just something feels different about it. And I was looking at all those beautiful acres and the wind blowing gently, the sun was shining just right, and I was thinking to myself, God, this is the best it will ever be. And I was watching my kids run around on my property and and I just felt the Holy Spirit quicken me. Say, you know what, but you're still worried one of them's going to get hurt. You're still worried about paying your bills. You still have all these things that assail your mind, and it can all change at one moment. And I'm not trying to be depressing, but see, that's the world that some people live in. That's it. That because I was mistreated as a kid, because I was abused as a child, because life isn't good, because of all these negative things, that this is all there is. And so you groan and you just and you hear that pain, and it's more like an ontology than it is a maternity word. And we groan and we say and we just can you hear the groaning? Oh, and you, I just want you to think about that oncology unit right now. You just hear those pain sobs. Can you imagine being on a military unit? And you're hearing all these men that just got dragged off the battlefield and they're missing arms and they're missing legs and they're, they've got all these things that have happened to them and there's hopelessness and some of them are bleeding to death. And, and you just hear that groaning, that unexplainable groaning that you only hear in certain places in life. And that's what the hopeless feel in the world. There's no hope in it. There's no hope in the groaning. There's nothing at the end of the tunnel to say it's going to be all right. And so what Paul is talking about is a different kind of groaning. He says all creation is groaning but here's what's fascinating. Creation is groaning. I think it's verse 21. It says it's groaning for the birth of the sons of God. You say, well, is that good one? Yeah, it does. All of creation is waiting for us to be revealed. For the revealing of the sons and the daughters of God to be revealed, all creation is groaning 
It knows it's going through something traumatic. It knows that it's being scarred and it's being going through a terrible ordeal. It knows that every time there's something beautiful in this world, it's heading toward destruction. It's heading toward ruin. It's heading toward uh, being messed up. You know, we have to fight really hard to have order. How many know that? Every government is going toward chaos and we have to work really hard to keep order. How many know? The streets are going to the direction naturally of crime and we've got to fight really hard to keep crime out of the streets because it's heading that direction because we have a world that is being under the force of sin. And all creation is groaning. All creation is waiting and expectation and anticipation for one thing and that's for us to be revealed. In fact, not only is it a global suffering, but there is a timeline that is mentioned here. And it says, in verse 18, it says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Right? And then he goes on and he says in verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility. When did that happen? The fall of man. There's a timeline here. And then in verse 21 it says, But the creation itself will be set at liberty or set free at the revealing of the sons of God. How many see the timeline there? From the time of the fall of man until the time that the sons and daughters of God, those, um, when they're revealed, all of creation is waiting in expectation. In fact, can you see all of creation is just standing there groaning and crying out and, and all of creation is lining up. In fact, what is creation doing during this time? If you read in uh, Psalm 148, in fact, I pulled them up on my phone here. White church. Listen to this. What is creation doing while it's waiting? This is Psalm 119, or Psalm 19. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They have no words. They sound... No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, the words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run the course. It rises from one end of heavens to the other end of the circuit of the other. Nothing is deprived from the sun's warmth. Then it says in Psalm 148, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise the Lord from the heights above, praise Him all you angels, praise Him all the heavenly hosts, praise Him sun and moon, praise Him all you shining stars, praise Him to the highest heavens, waters above the skies, let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created and He established them forever and ever. He issues a decree that will never pass away. Do you see what creation is doing? Creation is praising God in the midst of its groaning. Creation recognizes that God is the God above all and creation is singing and praising His glory. The Son is at attention to God's words. The Son is saying, what do I do today, Lord? And He says, 
run your circuit exactly like I told you to do, and he's obedient every day. The moon is obedient to God every day. The sun and the stars shine at the command of God. All of nature does exactly what God says, but nature recognizes that we have a scar. Nature recognizes that it's in a state of ruin. It recognizes that it is wasting away and all of nature is looking at us and saying, man, we cannot wait until that new heaven and that new earth is delivered and the timing is going to be through you. So Paul goes on and begins to explain this. And he says, not only the creation is groaning, but then he goes on and he says, the child of God is groaning. It says, we know that whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we are groaning inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for the hope, this is the hope that we were saved, the hope that is seen, the hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for something they already have, but if we hope for something we do not have, we are waiting for it patiently. How many know that when the Spirit of God The moment we put our trust in God for the problems of this world, the Spirit of God comes within us and begins to groan inwardly. You say, well, man, what is that like? And what that like is, I used to groan in my little S spirit. I used to say, God, why? Why was my childhood not fair? How many have done that? Why did this happen to me that way? Why was it like this? Why was this unfair thing happening? Why was this thing inflicted upon me? It wasn't inflicted upon other people. Why did this happen to me? Why did that happen to me? How many know we begin to groan? We begin to say it's never been fair. It wasn't fair when I was young. It wasn't fair when I was a teenager. It wasn't fair now. And my future doesn't look bright. My future looks hopeless. It looks bleak. It looks like I'm not going to make it. It looks like, and, and we just groan and we groan and it's not fair right now and it's and it's not fair. And God, have how many have ever been through that? And that's hopeless groaning. But then when the Spirit of God begins to come in, then it becomes the groaning of the bigger Spirit. Now the groaning becomes hopeful. And now hope begins to rise. He mentions hope like six times. And he keeps saying that the hope is incomparable. The hope is incomparable to the groaning. You can't compare the hope and the groaning, the hope and the groaning. And if you've ever taken his analogy of childbirth, you understand just a little bit of what he's saying. The groaning of childbirth doesn't compare to the fact that a living human being was brought into the world to enjoy for a lifetime. And so he's comparing that 
with the groaning of the Spirit that comes into a believer's life. Do you understand that? He's saying that all these same things are happening to the believer that's happening to the non-believer. They're all having the same fruitless suffering. It's like we're not immune to it, right? You know, we as Christians, some of us have grown up in worse environments than those who are in the world. And the groaning is there and say, man, life was hard when you were little, but the Holy Spirit is like that, like that spouse that's in the room holding your hand and saying, focus, breathe. Just breathe. Focus on this baby. Focus on what we're going to have in our arms here in a few hours. Breathe. Just relax. Breathe. Just focus. Just breathe. Just focus. And the Bible says that the Spirit comes alongside of us in our weakness and teaches us how to pray the will of God. Why? Because we're groaning. We're saying, God, I can't take it. God, I'm serving you and I'm still suffering. God, I had the worst childhood. God, I'm going through a divorce. God, I'm going through a relationship problem. God, I've been rejected by my family. God, this world is hard. God, this world doesn't seem right. If you're God, why is this world the way it is? And God's Spirit is inside of you now. And He says, How many of you know the Holy Spirit is breath? It's, that's what it is. The Bible says that He is. That's the Word. Just breathe. Hold my hand. And I'm going to be with you in your infirmity. And I will teach you to pray the will of God even in your weakness. Just breathe. God, I've been rejected by everyone. God, I don't have a place to lay my head. And he goes, <laughs> He says, But God, my friends turned their back and prayed me. <laughs> but they've inflicted pain upon me. Mutilated and killed you yet. They did you. And you just say to yourself, that's all he does is just hold my hand and get me through a hard time. No, no, there's something coming at the end of the labor to make it all worth it. And if there was no baby at the end, then it's not hopeful. Labor, right? It's just groaning. It's just making you feel good with hopeless groaning. That's not what it says. He says, the glory. In fact, Jesus in his last prayer is praying that they could, Father, I pray in this John chapter 14, I pray that they could see glory. Why does he want you to see his glory? Why is his last, most emphatic prayer at the end of his life that they could see me and my glory. Because he is the first fruit of us. He's the first one to take the trip through hope. In fact, the Bible says he is an anchor of hope. How many know that? 
When he says he's an anchor of hope that is anchored in the heavenly, that's a picture of a boat that is beaten and battered and trying to go into a harbor. It can't make it through the narrow harbor because it's too big and it's too battered and it'll be shattered if it tries to make it. So they throw the anchor inside of a little boat. The little boat navigates the waters, goes into the harbor, and pulls the big boat in. And how many know if we can see His glory, everything? Because His glory is like this. It's like that dirty, ugly, little butterfly. I use this example a lot, but it's true. What if you were a bunch of ugly caterpillars, right? Which this is what Paul's saying here. We're not that pretty right now. We're not that glorious right now. It's not doesn't look that good right now. It looks hard and it looks ruined and it looks destroyed and it looks like a terrible world that's around us. But he said there's an unsurpassing glory that's in you. And that glory is going to be revealed. And first it was revealed in me. So if you can see my glory, you'll see what's inside of you. And so if you're a believer, there's an unsurpassing glory and so we need to watch him and see what happens because Jesus died, resurrected, and received a glorified body. In fact, that's like an ugly, stinking little caterpillar rolling around in the dirt, all furry and nasty and ugly. That's where we're at. And that caterpillar, I want you to see his eyes, okay? I want to see his big, furry, ugly eyes looking at his buddy. And his buddy goes into that little cocoon and dies. He's like, oh man, Charlie was the greatest caterpillar ever. And they all stood there and they all had chairs like this and they all had their furry little bottoms sitting there watching the big chubby caterpillar. He was like, Charlie was such a good caterpillar. Man, he was the best. Here's Charlie all wrapped up in his little cocoon and I just want you to imagine their eyes and probably caterpillars talking. All of a sudden, pow! Pops one arm out, another one out, and they're like, he jumps out and he's just glorious. I mean, this, this beautiful being. And let's say they've never seen it before. And they're like, whoa! And Charlie's like, hey, it's me, Charlie. They're like, wasn't weren't you like us? And he's like, I've been changed in the moment, thinking of an eye. And the glory, and they're like, fly. And like, he flies? They're saying to themselves, he is flying. He's beautiful. In fact, some of them would say, glory. And Jesus said, if they could only see my glory, they would realize the glory that's inside of them. Glory, the unsurpassing glory. And he said, so creation is groaning and waiting for the glory to be revealed. And it says, we as believers are groaning because the Spirit's in us and we know the glory that was in Him is in us. And we know that when we're revealed, all creation will be restored. Because creation was changed when we sin, creation will be restored when we are glorified. 
When we get that new body and we're glorified, all of creation will be healed and it will be glorious. And all of us furry, ugly little caterpillars are going to have the glory of God and we're going to get a new body, a glorified body. And then the Bible says it's okay. It's not hopeless. The groaning is not hopeless. The groaning is real. Groan. Let the Holy Spirit hold your hand. Go through the death of a child. Go through the death of a parent. Go through the death of a friend. Go through a broken relationship. Go through a divorce. Go through all of those things. Go through all of these difficult times in life. But don't do it hopeless. Let the Holy Spirit hold your hand and say, focus. Just a little longer. Just a little longer. Just a little longer. The hope of glory is in you. And all of creation is waiting with bated breath. Creation right now is sitting in the waiting room with expectation. And, the, and, the, and they're waiting and they're saying, man, anytime now. Anytime now. But they hear, they hear creation groaning. They hear that we are groaning. They hear the Holy Spirit is groaning. They're saying, it's almost time. It's almost time. It's almost time. And I'll close. Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will be changed. Boy, that's, sometimes we read that like that's not a big deal. You know what our groaning is? You know why God subjected this world to futility and allowed sin to be in this world? One reason and one reason only, so we could know how ugly sin is. How ugly rebellion is. How ugly it is to have a world without God. And I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be a group of people that have the Spirit of God in them. And they're going to say, Lord, come quickly. Lord, come quickly. Lord, I can't wait to be changed. Lord, I can't wait. Lord, I can't wait to take this body of sin. In fact, the Bible says it's a seed. They said if you'll take this body of sin and just bury it in the ground and believe and have faith, you know that that buried body of sin will be risen to incorruptible immortality. God will take that body of sin and it will grow into a glorified body that God will give us. In fact, let me go on. He says it better than me. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall all be changed, for this perishable body must be put on the imperishable, and the mortal body must put on immortality. Then shall come past the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Hallelujah. Church, we can't, we can't keep groaning without the Spirit of God. That's fleshly groaning and it's hopeless. It's, it's swallowing in self-pity. It's wallowing in, no, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. What God wants to do is He wants the Spirit to come into your heart. And He wants to turn it into groaning with the capital S Spirit. 
And he wants you to, and that groaning will always say, God, it's almost time. God, come very quickly. God, I'm ready. God, I'm ready to go. If you're still holding on to this world, you're still holding on to this world. Can I tell you something? I'm going to get the good that's left in this world. There's glory that's still, there's fragments of God's glory in this world. We see His glory. We see the heavens. We see the things. Really, we see the things that man hasn't been able to destroy. If we could destroy it, we would have done it already, right? We're pretty good at it. We're destructive creatures. But this glory of God, you just still see remnants of it all over. You see it in the heavens. You see it in the earth. You see all of this glory. And God's saying, hey, that's a down payment. There's, there's more to come. And there's no part of me that says to myself, I'm going to get the best in this world, but man, I'm ready to be poor. I'm ready to be in His presence. I'm ready to close my eyes, open them, and guess what the first thing the Bible says I'm going to see? Be absent from my body is to be present with Christ. And church, that is the hope of glory. That is the hope that the Holy Spirit, every day I groan, God, I'm one step closer. God, I'm almost there. God, a little while longer. I may have done that. Hallelujah. Just a little while longer. So when you're going through this life, remember, this is a global suffering because of sin. And the only restoration is the restoration that God provides through His Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. I want you to find a place. Maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord. And um, if that's you this morning, you say, well, man, um, are you going to beg me to do it? Really, is that where we're at? Jesus Christ gave his life. Jesus Christ gave everything for us to have eternity with him in glory. God's given this, given this wonderful free gift. And, and, and can I tell you something? I don't beg people for that. You've never given your heart to the Lord. Find me. I want to pray with you. I want to, I want you to commit your life to Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. And if that's you this morning, find me. I want to pray with you. I want to lead you to the Lord. Hallelujah. If you're backslidden, don't miss this opportunity. We're running out of opportunities. How many know that? You're backslidden today. Find a place and get right with God. Hallelujah. That's you this morning and you're down. You're groaning like the world groans. Hopeless groaning. Let the Spirit come into your groaning. Alright? Let the Spirit come into your heart with groanings, the Bible says, which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you this morning how to pray the will of God through the groanings of life. How many know that? In your weakness... He wants to work through you. Hallelujah. So find a place this morning. Hallelujah. today, that's what we're here for. We want to pray with you. We want to help you through the hard times of life. We want to give
give you the hope that we're talking about today. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray, and if anybody here needs prayer before you leave, that's what we're here for. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, Lord. Lord, as we get older, Lord, we realize how much hope means, Lord. We've lived with hopelessness, but the hope of your glory, the blessed hope, Lord, is so big in our life, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. Lord, I pray that everybody here would find that hope. Lord, they would live with that hope, Lord God. They would uh, just breathe it in, Lord God, the hope of heaven, the hope of glory, the hope of eternity, the hope of uh, that glory that's going to be revealed. Let it live and let it breathe in every person that's here, Lord God. Father, let that hope be incomparable, Lord God, and let it not even be compared with the present struggles and trials, Lord God, that it's much greater weight, that glory. Bless your people as they leave. Fill them full of your spirit, Lord. Go with them, Lord. Fill them, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. 